You're listening to the Screeners Podcast Network. From the big screen to the small screen and everything in between, this is the Screeners Podcast, where all media is appreciated, but none is safe. Hey guys, and welcome to this episode of the Screeners Podcast. My name is Chris. This is Chad. I'm Melody. I'm Josh. And I'm Daniel. And we're back again to talk about what is on your screen this week. But before we dive into our review of Blade Runner 2049, we wanted to take a minute and invite you to join us online. Our Facebook page is definitely the place to do that. You can interact with us, ask questions, follow up uh, the details of what we talk about on this episode. We want to hear from you, and it is really exciting when we do. So we want to invite you to do that. Looking forward to seeing you there. So with that, let's jump into this week's episode. Welcome to the main event. So for our main event this week, we are reviewing Blade Runner 2049. I thought you might be able to help me with the case. Any idea where I could find him? You police plan on taking me in. I would much prefer that to the alternative. Replicants are the future. But I can only make so many. I had the luck, and he has the key. I think I found him. That's not possible. If this gets out, we've bought ourselves a war. The IMDb description reads, A young Blade Runner's discovery of a long-buried secret leads him to track down former Blade Runner Rick Deckard, who's been missing for 30 years. So Blade Runner is about Blade Runner, so that was very Mm. helpful. Uh, All right, so this week it's it's a sequel, 35 years in the making. Uh, Blade Runner is kind of a cult classic of sorts, some people saying... Uh, say that it's the best movie of all time. Uh, some people say it's overrated. Uh, and actually, quite a lot of people haven't seen it at all, as evidenced by the weak box office performance of Blade Runner 2049 this week. Uh, we're going to give our history with the franchise and tell us what we think of the original Blade Runner, and then we'll get into our thoughts of 2049. Now, uh, I have absolutely no idea what Josh is going to think about this movie. I could see him <laughs> loving it or hating it, uh, more plausibly the second. But uh, we are going to start with him. Josh, uh, what is your history with Blade Runner? And then what are your thoughts on the new movie? (laughs) You're going to start with me. That is a wise choice because (laughs) I will be easy to follow. I never saw the original. Oh, no. I'm the voice in in this podcast that has to look at 2049 as a standalone Ah. movie and evaluate it from that. So I'm I'm providing value here is what I'm that saying. That is valuable. Actually, Got I was it. very interested yeah. to see what someone would say who hadn't seen the original. So this is, I feel like, a good thing. They did a decent job of, you know, explaining what's going on for the most part. I feel like there's a general global warming theme throughout the movie that isn't really explored in the second one. Um, that I feel like was probably exposition in the first, like, uh, that kind of sets the whole environmental stage for the for the setting in the movie but other than that the the plot was pretty well covered in like two paragraphs of text at the beginning of the movie and so i was fine after that um they give you the whole summary of what's going on and then there's two hours and 40 minutes more to go i i just want to 
congratulate Denis Villeneuve on saving so much money on lighting and sound by using the, the Ridley Scott wall just over and over again. The movie may have only made $31 million at the box office, but he probably still came out ahead just saving all that all that money. Except sarcasm, for, sarcasm. Wow. Yeah, sarcasm <laughs> this alert. Evening. Yes. Holy cow. By using yeah. a very similar soundtrack to the first movie, but let's not let that get in the way. No, Post no, I, yeah, I, I get that. Uh, the, the soundtrack, it's a different director, but it it felt very much like, like a Ridley Scott kind of thing, except for what I'm beginning to recognize as a Villeneuve trademark, which is these really long establishing shots <laughs> like from arrival the establishing you really need shot. to see the first one man you just you yeah no, <laughs> all sure. these things that you're saying is okay go ahead continue so please in, in the first one where they're long establishing shots of just like someone sitting down on the stairs or walking oh, into man. a very confined space because that that's probably uh-huh. what what bothered me the most about the movie would were there yeah. these scenes where nothing happened and they lasted like a minute or two yeah. and I just I just thought the movie could have been cut by like a half an hour just by shortening some of these painfully long scenes. I, overall, though, I, I've started out with all my sarcasm. Overall, it was it was a good movie, except that I feel that it was too long. If I'm gonna see a two and two and a half, two hour and whatever it is, forty three minute movie, I want to at least see like a Hobbit or a dragon or an orc <laughs> something. Mm. Not, wow. not just Ryan Gosling <laughs> walking into a room over and over again. I mean. he is ryan Gosling, and he is very good in this movie by the way he he does a very good job he he saves jazz and now he's saving the future so i don't know what more we can ask (laughs) (laughs) he's done it all and as as a parting shot uh this isn't a spoiler because it's completely irrelevant to the plot but i'm just glad to see there are still somali pirates in the future yes Um, I went to see a movie with a co-worker, and we decided that Dr. Badger is our favorite character in the entire movie. Oh, and I am the captain so, now. Yeah, that's my summary. Overall, too long, but still good, and I should probably watch the first one. Still good, he says, but I don't remember you saying anything but Ryan Gosling was good. Yeah, there was, there's not much <laughs> good in that review, but state, apparently there's a lot that you left unstated, so that's all good. Well, yeah, there, I, I have... A thing or two to talk about in the spoiler section. Okay. But oh. other than that. All right. So, a uh, vaguely positive review from Josh. Let's go to Melody. Uh, what are your feelings on the first Blade Runner and now 2049? Well, I have tried to watch the original Blade Runner really a lot of times in my life. And I love sci fi. Like, and I know Blade Runner is like one of the definitive sci-fi movies out there. And I have tried really hard to love it. And there are things about it that I do love, for sure, the original. But I I always fall asleep in it. I've never sat through the entire movie without falling asleep. Uh, It just has never happened for me. So I tried. I tried again before seeing 2049 to rewatch the original. And I did rewatch it. However, I had to rewatch it in chunks because of the sleeping issue. I enjoy the movie for what it is. I feel like it was obviously way ahead of its time and asked amazing questions and one of the first of these sorts of films that was really excellent. So I have a great respect for the original Blade Runner. It's not like on my list of favorites though. 2049, I really enjoy. I really enjoyed the movie. The storytelling was great. The acting was great. The way that it like honored the original movie was really compelling and and really cool to me. Like as far as the visuals, as far as the music, as far as 
the pacing, which again, I didn't fall asleep in 2049, which I feel like is a grand testament to its goodness. It's a small um, miracle is what it, it is. It is a small miracle. <laughs> my, my brother who saw it with us fell asleep multiple times and missed some very important plot points, I might add. But I didn't. I enjoyed it. I was in for the whole thing and I was really compelled by some of the questions it was asking more I think I was compelled more by the questions it was asking than the story it was telling um, which I'm okay with that I think that's kind of what Blade Runner wants to do so I'm okay that it that it did that here I thought Ryan Gosling was amazing of course I have more to say but it might be more spoilerish I I was most compelled with kind of a side plot more than the main plot but I can I can share that in spoilers. I find the music to be highly annoying, and I really think perhaps the music is the hypnotic factor about these films. I think it just like lulls you into some sort of trance, and then you fall asleep. Overall, a really great movie, and I I'm I'm really interested. I guess we'll talk about it when we get into spoilers. But I'm really interested in what Josh in in how Josh was able to follow the plot because having just rewatched the original. I found myself wondering several times, like, what would a person be do- what, thinking right now if they hadn't seen the original? Like, how would they be translating what's going on or this flashback or this plot point, etc.? So I, I will say that the plot, the actual real plot of the movie, more than the side plot that compelled me, but the real plot was good, too. And it, it definitely um, caught me off guard maybe twice, which is cool. I like that. And it was long. I agree with Josh on that. So overall, I enjoyed this movie. It's not going on my list of favorites, but it was solid. All right, so Melody thought 2049 was solid. So Chris, tell us your history with Blade Runner and what you think of the new movie. Yeah, so I've seen Blade Runner several times, and to be honest with you, I can't ever remember what version of Blade Runner I've seen. I think there are five different cuts of the original Blade Runner. And um, so on the lead up to seeing 2049, I wanted to go back and just see the definitive version, which apparently is called the, what, Final Cut, I believe, yeah. is the actual uh, yeah title. And so decided to seek that out, and Melanie and I watched that together, as she stated, over a period of several days, uh, just because she kept falling asleep. And I was like, well, let's just, you know, let's not force it or whatever. I really enjoyed that movie on several different levels it looks stunning if you have an apple tv 4k you can actually get it in 4k um so i watched several of those these amazing josh as you stated there's some crazy kind of just establishing shots in this movie and they just sit there for probably way too long if i'm being totally honest for anybody to be comfortable in an audience but they're beautiful and they still look amazing to this day so blade runner definitely did things that no other film did or really has done since the feeling the the sci-fi noir kind of tone of of Blade Runner is very unique it's slow it's plotting you know you kind of just have to like stick with it otherwise it just it, it'll lose you you know what I mean it, it, it maybe is purposefully dense I really had a good time with the original so I was looking forward to 2049 quite a bit this is what I'll say for 2049 I think it's an amazing sequel for for 30 plus years to have elapsed between then and now headed back into this universe although it feels like the same thing they have switched so many things up but this doesn't feel like a a reboot or you know a, a plot for plot remake of the original they've definitely tried to do something a little bit more 
uh, nuanced. The original basically is a very simple plot. I mean, there's four replicants that uh, Harrison Ford's character needed to you know, hunt down and, and kill. And that's pretty much the plot of the first movie. This one is much, much more, uh, there's much more going on. And uh, some really neat ideas. Uh, you know, he's got a holographic companion that is uh, really amazing. Some incredible scenes that you've never seen anywhere else um, happen between him and this holographic companion. Uh, some really incredible stuff there. The performances in this movie are really great. I mean, uh, Harrison Ford, I think, does a fantastic job here. Ryan Gosling is really fantastic. And I'm, I'm really beginning to think that Denis Villeneuve, or however you pronounce his name, I'm sorry, I know I'm butching it. I know there's a correct way of saying that. But I think he's becoming one of my favorite directors. After Arrival, uh, and now uh, this movie in particular, I just, I like, I like the way he takes his time. Nothing feels rushed. It is the antidote, antidote that everything that uh, that uh, Pacific Rim Two will be. Uh, this is <laughs> the just antidote to awesome. You're unbelievably wonderful uh, to sit and and just kind of take it in. Uh, it, it's willing for you to breathe for a moment, and this this world that he's created feels real. Uh, and there's nothing about it that I ne- I ever questioned and thought, you know, this feels fake or untrue, or they haven't thought through it. You know, they even bring in a lot of the technology from the first film, but it's looked at as old. Uh, And that's kind of a cool thing because obviously 30 years has passed. And so, you know, there's a moment where he's looking into a um, like a micro niche kind of a thing. And it looks like something that would have been futuristic 30 years ago. But now it's, you know, kind of old and they're having to go back. And I just I liked how they kind of fit in the old with the new. And I really enjoyed the look, the cinematography in this film is unlike anything else when they get to las vegas in this movie it is just it's stunning it's unlike anything else that you've seen in film the only thing i would say about this movie that i really do wish i would not have known is that harrison ford was in this movie i think i've heard several people say that but even when i walked out i thought if they would have kept that a secret which they probably couldn't have i know obviously they pay him too much and you know he's a recognizable figure and but you know that would have been amazing there's a there there there's another there's several other cameos that happen in this movie that i really enjoyed ha- seeing having just watched the first movie and uh, i can talk about those in spoilers because i don't want to ruin them but there's some really just kind of great nods to the first film and if you've seen it you're going to appreciate this movie so much more because it really does just take the original and I don't know, take it to its logical conclusion and do some amazing, incredible things with it. So I enjoyed 2049 quite a bit. Uh, it'll probably be in my top five of the year. I can't imagine it wouldn't be in my top, top five. Of five. The year. So, yeah, good, mm. good times. Wow, top five of the year. High, high praise. Okay, so Chad, on to you, your history with Blade Runner and your thoughts on 2049. So the original Blade Runner, I'll agree with everyone and every uh, everything that has been said up to this point. There are certain things about that movie that make it iconic, primarily that it sort of redefined what a science fiction film could be, could look like, could feel like, and therefore inspired uh, subsequent films for decades. There's no denying that it's kind of the impetus for that. That being said, if I'm completely honest, I think it's one of the most overrated films of the last 30 years. Wow. I... 
I absolutely, as a movie, do not enjoy it. I think Harrison Ford's performance is stilted, and I know the excuse is, well, maybe he's a replicant, maybe he's not. I, I don't care. He's, it's an awkward performance, and he's the center of the film. I think the plotting and the pacing is poor, and I understand it was in 1982, so this is not, I'm not necessarily comparing it to today's standards. I just don't think the movie works as well as a lot of people think uh, it does. And there's a lot of people on both sides of the fence of this. People argue constantly about, it's a classic, it's garbage, and I fall right in between those two. I don't, I just don't see how, it gets a lot of extra credit, let's just put it that way. So I came into this one extremely excited because I do, I think Denis Villeneuve is clearly established as one of my favorite filmmakers working today because everything he does has a very unique and distinctive look and style and feel. He always uh, layers his themes and his plots with uh, whatever he's interested in at the moment. As it goes into Blade Runner 2049, I was really excited to see what this could be. I'm going to go big picture first, and then when we get into spoilers, I'll drill down specifically, obviously. I think my appreciation for this movie is probably pretty high while saying that it is probably overall my least favorite uh, Denis Villeneuve film. Now that's that that's still uh, that's still positive because there are so many things that work in this movie that I think absolutely work. Number one, I think if Roger Deakins doesn't finally win an hmm. Oscar for cinematography for this movie, he's never winning one. He's just not. Right. Now, he should have already won about four, but that's neither here nor there. I think he's been nominated 13 times, and he does magnificent work in this movie, specifically uh, some stunning visuals and contrasts of color and the way that he uses and integrates the special effects and the lighting to support the themes of the story, I think, is, is excellent. I feel like this is two halves, uh, two movies. And the first half of this movie, I loved. I loved with my whole heart. And the second half, I felt it really struggled from a pacing standpoint. And specifically, it's not a spoiler to say, for me, from the moment that they leave Las Vegas, I'll just leave it at that, for the next hour or hour and 20 minutes or whatever's left, I think the movie really takes a, a hard nosedive downward. I think it was trending upward all the way through to that moment. And then for me, and when we get into spoilers, I'll talk about why, it just it just didn't didn't land in the right way for me. Hmm. The movie feels cold and looks cold intentionally, and I think that I think that's great. There's a two hour and fifteen minute cut of this movie that is awesome. Two hours and forty five minutes. I'm always up for. I don't care if it's three hours, if it can justify its runtime. And I don't think that this one does. I really do feel like there are several scenes that are immaculately constructed and blocked, but that feel long. You can feel the tension uh, wanting to move on to something else because it's overstayed its welcome from a writing standpoint and a pacing standpoint. And they do that enough times that overall, by the end of this movie, while you can, while I appreciate it, I felt sort of beaten down by it just based on the length. I mean, almost three hours was really, really long. Mm. That said, this is exactly what a, a sequel should be. Now take the length out, take my critiques out. This is what a sequel should be. It fills in aspects of the universe that we're in and illuminates a lot of things. It actually retroactively makes you appreciate the first one more. And for me, that's saying something because I really don't like the first one. But after seeing this one, it made me want to revisit it, uh, the original one more time. It, it certainly made me 
recontextualize some things about the first one that I love, that I enjoyed. I think Harrison Ford's performance in this is not just good. I think it's fantastic. I think it's maybe the best acting I've seen him do in a long time because it is very constrained and subtle. A lot of close-ups right on his face, and you can see the emotion in the scene. So I think all that's fantastic. I think the special effects are Academy-level worthy. All the glitches, all the holograms, it's very inventive with the way that holograms interact with humanity, and I think that part is really very cool and goes into the themes that this movie is exploring that I was also interested in. And it's clear that Ridley Scott, who was an executive producer on this movie, is still very much like Alien Covenant uh, and, and Prometheus. He's just very much interested in life and when life begins and what constitutes life. And the, the themes of this movie really extend from the first one, but in a different way that I that I really very much enjoyed. Um, but the last thing I want to say before you know we go we go around to you, Daniel, is I also for me Ryan Gosling I think is great. I personally was more moved and enjoyed the two female characters in this movie more more so than I did Ryan Gosling, specifically Ana de Armas, who was Gosling's companion, if you will. I think that. I think that relationship is fascinating because yeah. neither of those people are alive or real, and yep. yet you totally feel it. You buy into what's happening there, and let's be honest, in 2017, I think that that's not an unbelievable stretch to think that in the next 30 or 40 years, something like that could be available, uh, and so that's a, that's a fascinating now, the flying cars I don't think will be, but I think the, the AI, I mean, I think that's a possibility. Anyway, I think that's a fascinating uh, window into exploring those themes. And then the, the other female uh, who is essentially uh, the antagonist of the entire film, her name is Sylvia Hoax, I believe is how you pronounce it. She's the female replicant that is the, the face of the Wallace Corporation. I think she is visceral and menacing, and I loved every second that she was on the screen. So yeah. overall, there's just a lot of, there's a lot lot of great stuff in this movie but it's it's so bloated and so self-serious and so deliberate that I think it kind of defeats itself so that I can't fully embrace it and this is a kind of movie I don't think the general audience which again the box office sort of reflects that I think this is a hard nut to crack for a general audience and even for cinephiles like us who like it uh, who like this kind of stuff this was hard for me too but overall, I am positive on it, and it's a gorgeous piece of work. I think it'll get some awards, but I didn't love it. I, when it was first announced, I thought this is going to be my favorite movie of the year, and I really don't know that it's even going to make my top ten. But still a worthy effort, and if we're going to have sequels, this is how I'd like them to be approached. Uh, still a positive re- review from Chad. My feelings are very much in line with what he said, uh, including my, my feelings on Blade Runner. I actually hadn't seen it. Uh, the original until just about a month ago and I watched it in preparation of this film and I watched the theatrical cut which from what I gather isn't the best way to watch it but it's the only one available for rent and I wasn't going to drop 15 bucks on a movie I hadn't seen so I watched the theatrical cut and I I, did it have a voiceover I'm sorry it did which which I hear is terrible and that did that was that was uh, annoying yeah. highly annoying in the movie so I hear it's better in the other cuts but quite honestly that was the the, the only one available, and so that's what I watched. And 
I appreciated it more than I enjoyed it. The ideas presented, the the feeling and atmosphere of the film were really interesting, but the story was just uh, slow and, and not compelling in any way. It's okay. It's okay. Um, like I said, appreciate it more than enjoy it. And so that, that brings me to 2049. My feelings are similar, but, but a bit more positive. This is one. This this film is so well made. It's you could not call this a bad movie. Um, just from from a production standpoint alone, uh, I mean it is outstanding. Like Chad said, the visuals of this movie, the cinematography is uh, honestly it's it's the best shot film I think I've ever seen in my entire life. I think this yeah. is the best cinematography I have ever seen. Period. Um, it's remarkable. It is absolutely astonishing the things that roger deakins does with light and shadow and color especially it's, yeah. it's beautiful it's amazing um and not only that it's like the best sounding film of all time the the sound design the the revving engines echoing in the distance of this big city uh the 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 special effects the score i loved the score of this movie it was so hypnotic and intense and i i just i couldn't get over so all of these technical aspects are just top-notch um so so incredible that if we're just if we even forget about the story altogether this is an incredible film just from a production standpoint now the story uh, unfortunately isn't quite as as good it doesn't match the 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 top-notch visuals for me Mm. it's not as compelling i was compelled by what my eyes were seeing very compelled but i wasn't compelled by the story itself i just fa- it's it's you know i i'm echoing a lot of what you guys have said already i don't have a lot else to say it was very slow very very long uh unnecessarily so and so it just didn't it, it didn't feel warranted the length and the the characters just unfortunately weren't as compelling they were they were very well acted but the the motivations the plot as a whole just was very cold and distant and really didn't grab me very much um oh man so that's the negative but again like i i I know that that sounds really negative but i'm actually really positive on this movie just because of how amazing uh it was put together it's it's a great great movie uh simply to look at it's just unfortunately too long and the story like i said it's not bad it's just not as compelling as as the visuals or anything else so i still highly highly recommend you see this movie i think it's great um just not as good as it, it feels like it should be for me hmm. so those are my thoughts unless there's anything else anybody else wants to say before we head into spoilers and we can uh, go around and give our final recommendations anything else well, well one one quick thing you guys keep talking about the cinematography and i agree the cinematography was fantastic um, but you mentioned something specifically, uh, Daniel, the light, the use of light and color. Yeah. And was I in a bad theater? Because the whole film looked muted and muddy to me. Like it was, wow. yeah, it was you were this in a bad theater. whole yeah. patina over the screen of like, it was hard to see detail half the time because it was so muted and washed out. You no, were you were definitely a in a bad, bad theater. theater. Yeah. Uh, no question. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Although, I, I mean, to be fair, Deacons does use a lot of underlit shots. There are a lot of shots that are in silhouette and that are dark. But if it was a persistent problem, you're in a bad theater because it's gorgeous. Yeah. It's a gorgeous. Yeah, this, this is the opposite. I mean, there are some, the neon scenes, the, yeah. the scenes specifically like out in the desert. Yeah, I don't. I don't see that at all. Like the the scene when they're they're in a uh, uh, a Las Vegas uh, show type of a of a environment. 
mm-hmm. uh, some incredible use of color and lighting and like just unbelievable stuff there. Uh, yeah, I think you've unfortunately found yourself in a a bad bad theater. Yeah. That's a bummer. That's a bummer. Yeah, it, it bugged me the whole time. I was like, where? Oh. I, obviously, there there were neon lights, and so there was some color. But the whole time, it yeah. was like this is this feels For way this, too muted. This movie huh. in particular, that's a bummer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of all the movies. For that to happen, that's terrible. I agree that the... I don't know that the filmmaker is really interested very much in plot or story in this movie because it's the clear weak link, especially at two hours and 45 minutes. And that's that's what he's really great at uh, is is creating mood and a feeling of just being in this world. And that works very well, but the plot and just the basic story beats, not so much, not so much. Which is why I think Arrival is such a masterpiece because it was the first time that I think for, for Denis that he was able to marry those two things, a plot and a story that was intricate and interesting with the moods that he creates, and that's why it was such a home run, but but not here. Yeah, hmm. totally agree. I, All right, totally, I, I disagree on, on that, on those points, but that's, that's fine. I, I think, obviously, we keep talking about this like it, it wasn't an intentional choice you know what i mean and so many movies i feel like that's why i specifically did that slam against pacific rim but obviously that's true of all the other action movies that are out there right now which is we're going to go from one action sequence to the next and there's hardly any action in this movie especially for the first hour we're just you know we're, we're just kind of dropped in this world and i i i, I find it interesting i don't know if i, I want to say like they're intentionally being uncomfortable with the audience trying to intentionally be antagonistic and say this is not what you're expecting um which obviously played out like you said because of the box office it did very poorly but i man i i feel like they're they're intentionally doing that and I, it's not nearly as bad as the first film as far as like just sitting there oh on, no doubt uh, on landscapes but i i think I like that for a change of pace. I think it is intentional. I don't think there's anything here that I didn't feel like overstate. It's welcome. I, I kind of just, I don't know, just let myself oh, man. You know, be just, there I, for a while. Just because yeah. they did it on purpose doesn't mean I give it any extra credit. That's I mean, fine. Does, yeah. I'm just does, saying I didn't, does, I didn't bother me like it did. You guys totally agree. I think it was absolutely intentional. And so that's why it's the kind of thing where I don't really fault you for that. Like, I don't, I don't think you're crazy for saying that. Cause I think, they totally did it on purpose and it's just not my taste in this instance. So, mm-hmm. but it was for you and that's great. Yeah. That, and that's, that's what I'm saying. I think there are some people yeah. that that will be wonderful for. And then, you know, like right. you guys are saying, people will say, Oh, it's too long, 30 minutes out, but then it would not be that, 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 that kind of taking its time, letting you breathe. Um, I, I'm on uh, our screening, no, the, the actual show paused on us. There was a power out <laughs> and the, the screen paused and I, texted you guys and daniel you responded are you sure that's just not like the way the movie is because it's pretty slow <laughs> I, I i agree it's kind of funny but I, I really i kind of enjoyed it i thought that was a good a good change yeah of pace, that's definitely what this movie needed was another 20 minute power outage in the middle <laughs> <laughs> yeah really let's dive right into our recommendations so josh should they see it in theaters should they rent it, should they stream it, or should they skip it altogether? So this is kind of a tough call because normally I would say for the content of this movie and the way I felt, um, stream it. But if you're going to see it, it is such a visual movie, despite the problems I had with color in my theater. It's such a visually compelling movie that I you'd be missing some of the impact of the huge shots in this the epic shots in this movie if you don't see it in the theater so 
if you feel like you want to see it, you should go see it in the theater. Wow. Wow, Josh. The, the rare theater recommendation I know, from Josh. I know. It, it takes a lot of cinematography to get me there. That's there a pretty big deal, people. I feel <laughs> like we should not take it. notice. Yes. So, uh, Melody, what do you think? Uh, see it in theaters, rent it, stream it, or skip it? I mean, it's not like a cut and dried one for me. I, I see what Josh is saying about you'll appreciate it better in the theater, but I feel like if you aren't a person who really likes the slow-moving sci-fi sort of thing i'm not sure that you're gonna like it i'm not sure that ryan gosling and harrison ford are enough of a draw on their own if you're not into this sort of movie that you would stay awake for it so if you rent it you can watch it over a period of days which is what i had to do with the first one so i might call this a rental category unless you unless you really do like sci-fi then go see it it'll it'll be beautiful in the theater okay and chris screen it rent it stream it or skip it see this movie in the theater look all of us agree that it is technically one of the best films of the year i mean if we're talking about cinematography and sound design score we're discussing the actual even performances this movie needs to be seen in the theater it it crushes me that it's not doing better i understand why because it is a fairly hard to approach film but honestly this movie needs to be seen in adobe atmos theater atmosphere there's no doubt that this this will it'll it'll change the way you think about the film seeing this at home or forbid that you see it on your ipad you know what i mean like it's going to be a completely (laughs) different experience see this movie in the theater okay and chad what do you think 100% 100% agree. See it in the theater. First of all, nobody ain't nobody got time to sit down for three hours at home <laughs> and watch a movie undisturbed That's unless right. you can miraculously find a way to lock everybody out and, and really focus on this movie, which is what this movie requires to appreciate it and to understand what it's trying to do and how it's trying to do it. So as opposed to just recommending it for a theater, a theater viewing because of the technical aspects, which I would do, I would say that it almost necessitates it or you're going to be predisposed to liking it even less. All that to say, this is unlike any visual experience that we've had this year in several years that I can remember. And just for that alone, it's worth seeing it in the theater. So 100% see it in the theater. And I completely agree. You definitely need to see it in the theater. It's not for everybody. I think a lot of people uh, will be disappointed. Not an action movie, almost at all. Very, very little action in this movie. Very long, very slow moving. But if you're going to watch this movie, you really need to see it in theaters. It will not have the same impact, at least for me, on a TV at home at all because of the cinematography. It's just one of the best looking movies I've ever seen. All right, and with that, we'll move into spoilers. The first rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. Well, you look nervous. Is it the scars? You want to know how I got them? There's so many places it would never occur to a hawk to hide. However, the reason the Führer's brought me off my Alps in Austria and placed me in French cow country today is because it does occur to me. Because I'm aware what tremendous feats human beings are capable of once they abandon dignity. And in the dream, I knew that he was going on ahead. He's fixing to make a fire somewhere out there in all that dark and all that cold. I knew that whenever I got there, he'd be there. Then I woke up. 
All right, so who wants to start? What do you guys have to say about spoilers with this movie? What I was going to say in spoilers, Chad kind of already said in his review, which was that the part of this movie that I found so much more compelling than any of the rest of it was the AI relationship, the like just realness that that had, like the intriguing questions that it asked, the sadness of the whole thing, honestly, like was a little bit devastating. This movie was very sad. Really, everything about this movie was very sad. But particularly that relationship was just so intriguing to me. When I first realized what it was, I kind of was like, oh, this is stupid and annoying and I don't really care about this relationship. But then suddenly, halfway through the movie, it was the most interesting thing about the film to me. So yeah, I totally agree that that was really compelling and intriguing. Yeah, I didn't know this was going to be a spiritual sequel to her either. Mm. or the doctor from uh, star trek voyager actually is really what this is the doctor i mean maybe i didn't see the whole series but the doctor wasn't all that emotional well no he went from being attached to him but he went from being i mean this is obviously way off this but like he went (laughs) from being one task right to getting to be the only doctor on board the ship to needing to get relationships with the people, to forming those relationships, to needing to be able to be off of the ship so they find this thing that allows him to now leave his confines. A lot of similarities. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. Uh, This is all sci-fi, and I think this is an important thing, is is like as robots learn to have relationships, at what point do those robots become sentient beings that we should that, that we should now look at and say you have rights you know what i mean i think that's fascinating so one of the things i thought that was super compelling was the idea of the implanted memories that mm. a, a lot of these uh, replicants have the, the same memories mm-hmm. um because the the the, the film's twist uh, or one of their twists really got me where I, I i obviously thought that that was totally a real memory for him yeah and, and so I thought that was extremely interesting. Yeah. yeah. And what a cool, I mean, obviously what a cool visual language too of yeah. the, the girl in that room with the piece of technology that I totally bought was what was, she was, you know, in control and doing, I mean, I just, I love that whole thing. And then the explanation of why she's so good at being able to come up with memories and all that just make total sense when you understand that she's, the byproduct of a replicant and a, uh, a human or perhaps a, a replicant as well. We don't still don't know if uh, Harrison Ford's Decker is a, a replicant or not. But either way. I mean, really? Cool. We still don't know? Yeah. We, don't we don't know. We don't Jared know. Leto was about allowed to make the decision for yeah. himself. Yeah. yeah. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I, they, they've definitely not. Yeah. They haven't confirmed or denied that in any way. Yeah. It answered a lot of the questions specifically when she's looking at the memory of Gosling's character and she's weeping openly. Yes. yes. And you know that that means something, but you have no idea right. what it means. And then it all comes together. He, I mean, Denis Villeneuve is definitely excellent. Even if you go in, unlike like an M. Night Shyamalan, right? And you, I wouldn't even put those people, obviously, in the same, right. the same, char- the same yes. category. But even if you go in thinking that something may be up, yeah, he does a masterful job of concealing what it is. Oh, well, arrival, uh, and ha- arrival, and how it all thing. comes it's together. Just, it's this right. great thing. Yeah, it's a exactly. great way of it's telling just, a story. It's because there's no 
uh, I don't know how to phrase it, that the pace is so steady. There's no build up to right. some climax uh, or it never feels that way. So there's yeah. no, there's none of the traditional hints that something's about to happen or something's about to change, which is both frustrating and you have to respect it in, in a way as well. Yeah, you do. And, you know, we talked a little bit about how there's not a lot of action in here, but the action that is in here, I think, is excellent. The uh, the entire where his car is shot down, that scene where he crashes and the way that he's pulled out and then fights those characters, all of that just from a purely film from a pure filmmaking standpoint is unbelievably good. Yeah, it's just it's just magnificent. And then you get another hour without any of that. And that's fine because I don't go into these movies expecting to be bombarded with action. But it's not, it goes back to what you were saying, Chris. It's not that they are incapable of doing it or that he is. He's just not necessarily interested in doing it because uh, that's not the story that he's trying to tell. And I have, I have to be honest, too, in any other film, especially in 2017, I feel like the climax should always be the more visually stimulating, uh, over the top, crazy sequence and what we get here is the beginnings of that right so they're they're trying to get to the spaceport so they can get him off planet to do whatever they're going to do with Deckard's character and Ryan Gosling shoots that thing down and I feel like in most other films that would have gone colliding straight into the city and we would have crazy amounts of people and there would be an action sequence but instead it's this really just like awful water just say it. it's with, terrible oh no i totally disagree with you it's oh, it's, it's completely just black all you're doing is focused on what is happening and i i loved it i thought it was wonderful that it was so subtle and uh muted and not at all trying to be flashy and crazy i just i i enjoyed that last sequence you didn't like it I did not. It just felt very old school filmmaking. It was like uh, the classic, the classic ending where the you know the guy's in danger in the car and it's flooding, and then one person's on top, then the other person wins, and then he comes up at the end. And I just but the just, entire time you felt, don't know if Ryan Gosling is going to kill Harrison I, I understand. Ford or if I, I, I found I that get fascinating. It. It just didn't work for me. I felt that it was a different. It felt like it was from a different movie than the rest of the stuff yes, up to that point. That's but okay. exactly it. I agree. I mean, okay, all right. I I really enjoyed that last sequence. I I, I found it to be uh, tense and uh, and definitely a uh, a juke when when most people expect you know something else to happen at the end. This was much much more subtle. I felt like, but okay, all right. Okay, so mm-hmm. we're gonna have to back up a little bit. For- sure. For me, who's apparently the slow person in the room, because you guys are talking about the hologram replicant relationship, the the twist at the end with the memory, and you guys are talking about that like all that made sense. Yeah. And to me, it did not. Like I, I didn't fall asleep during the movie. I watched the movie, but it's it didn't make sense to me. They didn't properly motivate how this hologram, who is advertised all over the city as saying just what you want to hear somehow has this real relationship. This this one instance of the hologram is able to have relationships. And the whole yeah. memory thing didn't make sense because the memory is of a boy and she says it's real, but she's the real one. And he's the clone of her DNA is, I guess, what we're supposed to 
no, 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 no. She just implanted that no. memory into him, and he thought it was his. And for the for the AI thing, but I think why like why is she so compelled by it though? Why does she? Because it, it actually was it was she's, her. It's her memory. That's her memory. She's reliving her. She's seeing her memory. That's why when he says it, when when you hear the voiceover, when all of that's coming together, and he says there's a little bit of the creator in all of these, right, right. it flashes back, and that is not a boy. It's a little girl. Yeah. Right. That's with okay, her head so shaved. The, okay, I missed that. It always yeah. looked like a boy to me. No, it was well, definitely I, her. Intention, I guess. Yeah. That's yeah, the totally. exact thing that my brother missed. That's weird. It's the hypnotic music at that point when she <laughs> literally says <laughs> yeah, it was I'm, not a boy. It was a girl. The lady literally tells him that. My yes. brother missed yeah. the exact same thing. That's funny. Oh. Um, okay, but as far as the AI goes, like I don't think it makes a lot of sense. And when when you first meet her and realize what their relationship is, like I f- I felt like, oh, this is stupid because we're just gonna see him think that she really loves him, and then we're gonna see that she doesn't, and that's gonna suck. So then I think the question that you're left with did what did she actually have feelings, or is the program just that good? And I think like. You believe she actually has feelings until he's back in the city after she's dead and that big giant version of her calls him Joe. And it's just like this moment of like, ugh, maybe it is just really all fake. And it, it leaves no. you like, mm, no. that's what I took away from it. Yeah, well, It leaves no. you questioning the, the, the whole part. thing. No, I, again, from my perspective, this is an AI that gets to know you, right? Over a period of time. And so as it gets to know you and who you are and what you're all about and all that, just like, you know, the replicants or any other kind of artificial slash uh, organically designed technology that is in this world, this is significantly advanced where it, it, it literally did get to know him and got to know all about him and learn to love him and but, want to be a part. Even if it is programming, it's still it's still it's not like it's connected to the projection he sees at the end. He realizes he's lost. It's kind of like if you in any other movie, he has a relationship with a girl. The girl dies, and then he goes to the bar at the end of the movie, and there's another girl there. But he doesn't feel like it's ever going to be quite the same because this new girl's not going to know him like the other one did. That's what I got. Obviously, there's loss, but for him, this one AI, this one thing that he has gotten to know over the years and years of being with it shaped and 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 created something that was totally unique to him and loved him and wanted you know to be with him and and wanted to be with him everywhere he went so maybe that's maybe i think that's the question that you leave asking i don't think that's like 100 percent clear well that's what i took away from i'm not saying that's the answer go ahead well sorry what, what i get from your explanation is that she's melodramatic because he's an an emo kid He's sad, so she's sad, reflecting right. that back to him, and that's still fake. Sure. Well, right. no, it's not fake. It's just, it's the, again, like, it, they're all quote-unquote programmed. Do you know what I mean? So sure. even he is programmed. So what you're seeing here literally is a programmed uh, replicant, you know, biological technology, and a AI having a relationship um, both of them, you would say, are programmed and told to do a certain thing or whatever, you know, not quote unquote real. But at some point you have to say, well, his feeling is is genuine. Her feeling is genuine, even though at some point in the past, somebody put the code in. 
Do you know what I mean? And that's that's what kind of what this question is asking. Go ahead. Well, and but that's that's beyond. I think that goes into the point of the entire entirety of a lot of the exactly. thematic right. elements exactly. of that's the movie, why it's which is that's why I love it. Is yeah, is to say that who's to say that at some point this specific AI did not become sentient. Nobody who knows. Right. Yep. right. That's the that's that's the whole point is to say when does life begin? Right. What actually constitutes life? Correct. And in this scenario. If you think that it was, then it was. And if you think that it wasn't, maybe it wasn't. Yeah. It's just one of those things. And that's the strength of the strength of this kind of film in general in the hands of a filmmaker well, like I, we have here. And yeah. that's and, and you know, and there, there's that scene with Jared Leto um, when you watch this new replicant being born. Right. And then he just slices her and kills her. There's that question of like, but it wasn't what he wanted. And it was just, you know, biological technology. It's nothing. And it's not real. So that's OK to kill somebody it seems like it's in pain but not really even though it feels and all that kind of stuff it's still not a real thing not only when is something you know alive but also when do we treat it humanely when do we treat you know when do can we just throw it out like garbage and when is it something that is more significant than that and uh, i think that scene in particular seems horrendous when you're watching it but through jared leto's eyes that particular character he's just seeing as another bit of technology a thing that didn't work off the assembly line that he's going to throw back into the fire and try and build something new well thank you for that perfect segue um, sure because that was the next very next scene i was going to mention um as the other thing that really bugged me that didn't make sense to me is uh, what did you say the the essentially the darth vader villain woman's name was anna hooks was it chad uh yeah her name in the movie is um is love love. yes Yes. it's sylvia 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 hooks sylvia hooks that's what it was okay so in that scene she's clearly upset by what's happening by what wallace is doing then in the entire rest of the movie she's perfectly content being violent and doing what he wants her to do and so that conflict that conflict never made sense to me like i agree what, i feel what, like what they set her, her character up and... to be a lot more interesting and then never followed through on that on her yes. particular story i agree although i think specifically she's upset over replicant on replicant violence and she has no problem hurting humans because most of the people she if she destroys in the movie or humans until the fight at the very end. That's exactly what uh, that, I was going to say, Chad, is I think that there's this race kind of thing. She doesn't want, it's not replicant on replicant. It's more just any kind of harm coming to replicants. Right. Yeah. But then her people, but why then, why would she even she, be doing what she's doing in the final scene in the first place? Well, I mean, and again, she shoots and kills, uh, or in spoilers, you know, uh, Deckard's, love interest from the first film oh what's her name i can't even remember i mean again she she wants to please jared leto's character and and believes that what he's doing is in some way shape or form a a good thing um she wants i think to have the ability to have kids uh, or at least the replicants to begin to be able to procreate in that way so i think she wants that to happen and it may be that she was not sad that the replicants are being hurt and maybe that she's sad that that didn't work, that that she's that that particular replicant is still barren, uh, and so she was more crying not because she was uh, sad of the the death of that replicant, but more, man, it didn't work again. I want to be able to have, you know, want, I want I want our race to continue. 
Yeah, that may have been that tier. And I, that's speculation. Right, I mean, she definitely doesn't know. care about killing replicants or anybody else in the rest of the film. And she seems to be agreeing with Jared Leto's character from, for the entirety of the film. So it, it may even, be that. It wasn't even clear to me that that replicant in the sack was like, he didn't mention trying to impregnate her. He mentioned the reason he was killing her, but like not why, right. like he never right. said he, she had been tried to impregnate them that i didn't understand why he why he killed her so quickly like try to impregnate her first if you're he was kill her he, for that reason he was looking to see if she was barren and that's why he cut her right there at the stump right there at the stomach she was she it didn't work all right he can see inside with those eye things which that's they also right. never explained scanned yeah yeah all right, well, a lot of good uh, questions posed by this movie for sure, but it uh, sounds like we all at least appreciate the movie uh, if we don't all love it. All right, so that ends our review of Blade Runner 2049. Now let's jump right into The Cutting Room Floor. The Cutting Room Floor. All right, people, enough sci-fi talk, enough themes about life and what constitutes life and beings and AI. It's time to get down and dirty to a little bit of the old wagering on the box office summer movie results. I mean, not to brag, I won this last year and went into this one feeling pretty good. Melody started talking trash immediately about, and I'm quoting here, how she wins contests (laughs) like these. And uh, so we all went in. And we tried our best to guess what the top 10 domestic box office finishes would be in the calendar year 2017, starting, I don't remember when, sometime May and ending at Labor Day. And I'm happy to say that we do have a winner. It was a close contest. Yeah. And I think the one thing that we can all agree on about this specific summer is that none of us really knew what in the heck was going to happen. Can we agree on that? I don't don't know. (laughs) <laughs> I think D- Daniel's going to take think, credit that he knew everything. Is that what yeah, you're going to do? I mean, I don't I know think, who won. I, I'm just saying. Right, yeah, <laughs> I, th- I think we can, specifically because so many big tentpole films underperformed. Before we go through these real quickly, just wanted to get anybody's thoughts on that. I mean, have we ever seen anything like this where tried and true films who usually make four, five, six hundred million domestic made 200, 300 million and were a complete failure? What do we think is going on here in the box office? Anybody? I don't know, but this is definitely an interesting summer. I, I think it's one of the strongest summers for quality of films that I've seen in a long time, but I think it was obviously not a very good year for for the money people obviously had other things to do uh, than go to see the theater go to the theater this year so it's fatigue it's It's fatigue of these things that you've seen five million times so you don't care whether you see it in the theater or later at home it's not it's the non-newness of everything and a lot a lot of these were were sequels that we didn't want i mean pirates five transformers five i mean there were some good movies but there were also some good small movies that aren't gonna do amazing at the box office so it was just kind of a weird summer it was a weird summer it was a weird summer and so what we're gonna do tonight folks is we'll move through this very quickly but i know there are lots of you at home that played along and were were wondering what happened what we're gonna do i think right from the beginning we were all wrong (laughs) about the number one movie of the year and here's the thing I can't recall a year where all of us 
just completely whiffed on the number one movie of the year. Everybody except for me had Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 as their number one pick. I picked (laughs) Despicable Me 3 for my number one, which in retrospect (laughs) cost me this contest. I'm just going to say that. I'm just going to say... It yeah. cost me the contest. It was a bold pick. Sometimes you just got to risk. It was bold. You got to break <laughs> out from the pack. But in, in actuality, the number one movie of the year in the summer box office was Wonder Woman. Nobody got yeah. that. And nobody got oh. that right. Nobody got that right. What I'll do here is I'm just going to read down the top ten movies that actually finished that way. And then we'll uh, we'll just talk free here for about four or five minutes about some of our picks and our dark horses. And then I'll give you the, the sum total here. And so just to recap the rules, if you got pick number one or pick number 10 correct right on, you got 13 points. If you then got picks two through nine right on, you got 10 points. And then if you got one spot off, you got seven, two spots off, you got five, and three spots off, you got three. If any of our Dark Horse picks ended up in the top 10, we got one point each. The number one movie overall was Wonder Woman. The second overall movie was Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, which... None of you picked as number two, but you did get seven points for that right off the bat because you were only one point away. Uh, Now, where we started to differentiate here is when we get to number three. So the number three overall movie was Spider-Man Homecoming. Now, Daniel, you picked that right on. Number three, Spider-Man Homecoming. I also picked it right on, Spider-Man Homecoming. We get down to Chris he also picked it right on, <laughs> Spider-Man did. Homecoming. So we were on a good roll, and Melody, who was actually the closest one to getting Wonder Woman right, had Wonder Woman, number three. And Josh, in his wisdom, had Pirates just, 5. Just, <laughs> 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 number three. It's in the top ten. That is true. It is. It's that not is actually true. that far down. I mean, he was, you know, three, four away. You know, it's not that bad. Yeah, he got he was it was on the list, that's for sure. It's always <laughs> fascinating to me how Josh puts his list together. It's usually very last minute and he just says There's a dark you know, board involved. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's one of those good things which you know, that then took takes us to number four. So at this point I'm feeling really good because Guardians bumped down to number two and I picked Guardians as number two behind Despicable Me Three. So at this point I'm crushing everybody. So we get to number four and the number four overall film was Despicable Me Three. So it wasn't totally on crack there. It was in the top five, but not number one, which then takes us to the number five finishing film, which was Dunkirk. Now, I don't know about you guys, but this is the one that really surprised me. I had Dunkirk at number nine. Daniel, where did you have? Or I'm sorry, I had Dunkirk at number 10. Daniel, you had Dunkirk where? It uh, looks like number nine. Number nine. And Chris, do you, where did ten. you have Dunkirk? Was it on your list? Number 10? Yep. Melody, where was Dunkirk for you? She did not she have, have it on it. her list. It, it was, was a du- dark, dark horse. It was a dark horse. Oh, a, that's right. As you, I, as you might be able to tell, Melody did not win, so her interest in this <laughs> has listen been to me. Listen to me for a moment. Now, I Are you only interested when you're you winning? that I do always win these things when I try. So clearly, <laughs> I do not try. I know you guys can't take being beat all the time. I love it. I feel like you added something to that quote. I don't know why. There's felt like there was an ad there at the end there was a what and uh like you added something maybe the when i try i don't know no. uh josh what about you what did, where did you have dunkirk was it on your it's list, on the list. Um, it was at eight number eight so i did any of you expect Dun- now i think we all universally love dunkirk but did any of you expect it i mean realistically to be as high as five no, no i still can't believe that sure. it is that that blows my mind yeah. that dunkirk was more 
uh, did better uh, at the box office than what Blade Runner. I'd put Blade Runner and Dunkirk kind of in those two kind of like very, you know, it's obviously Christopher Nolan, but there's no stars in that movie. There's no bankable thing other than just the Nolan name. And I didn't expect it that to go as far as it I don't think it was the Nolan name that made that such a high box office. You remember everyone who was in our theater? All veterans. I think it was the actual story they were telling that made sure. it so high in the box office. Yeah. Yeah, Haven't but Christopher Nolan's name. In a while, right? it, yeah. yeah, Nolan's name didn't hurt it, that's for well, sure. true. Yeah, and it yeah. was PG. Yeah, it was yeah. a PG-13 war movie, which you don't get that often either so i think that helped that's true sure that's true yep. if not for if not for blade runner for me that and i haven't seen all the movies yet obviously but that's my cinematography award for sure for oscars but blade runner i think we'll, we'll take it all right well that takes us to our number six which is where we find pirates five daniel you were close you were one away i was a couple away as was chris yeah, was where did you away. have pirates five yep. and then melody also a couple away and josh of course you had pirates five as your number three uh at that point and so this is where i mean this is where the real money is made on these things or the it's these middle picks and it's really just kind of a crapshoot and what it all shakes down to is all of these sequels kind of made around the same thing and nobody went to see them. That brought us to Cars 3. Now, we didn't review Cars 3, so I'm, I am interested. Did you guys see Cars 3? Nope. I'm currently so trying to count it. the movies on my top ten list that I did see. I'm at, <laughs> I'm at one so far. Oh, that's wow. It's a good list. It's a good list. Four. Okay, four. Hey, that's not yeah. so bad. Almost half. And one of the Dark yeah. Horses, so there's that. Well, Cars 3 is actually really, uh, I think it's really pretty good. I think it's a lot better than 2. Uh, but it, I would, I was surprised that it finished where it did, but uh, I was one off. Daniel, you were a couple off. Chris, where did you have Cars 3? I had Cars, yeah, two, two Cars 3. Yeah, yep. I had it at like, and, uh, what was that, 6? Yep. Yep, and then Melody, it looks like you had this at number 9. Mm. And Josh had Cars 3 at number 2. I went with it as my underdog. Your underdog for number two. <laughs> at least I didn't put it at number one, Mister Despicable Me. <laughs> that is true. That is true. I will. I will withhold my comments until the the score total at the end, which then takes us to War for the Planet of the Apes. And if there was one movie that literally caused someone to win this contest, it was this one. War for the Planet of the Apes finished at number eight, and Daniel nailed it right on for 10 big points why are you surprised why are you surprised (laughs) (laughs) you just you just had that number eight in your i knew it i just knew it it made sense (laughs) he did math okay we just just didn't sounds like eight i mean it's a it's exactly josh that was hard enough all right that's about as scientific as i think for the planet of the eights (laughs) there you go (laughs) boom all right, and so I had this on my list uh, a few, a couple spots higher. Chris had it uh, one spot one. higher. Looks yep. like Melody, you had it at number five overall. And then Josh, did you have this on your list? I left it off in protest <laughs> of for <what>? some reason. <laughs> Be- because as we determined after this movie came out, I have there's like alternate timelines in the war of the planet of the apes franchise and i have the wrong timeline in my head yes you That's do when you I need to see planet those of the movies. Apes movies yeah i know you, that that this is so apparently bad. the third for those who aren't educated like i wasn't this is the third in a trilogy and it's a different trilogy it's a different timeline from the one 
with the 2000 Tim Burton Planet of the Apes movie, which was just terrible. <laughs> yes. And I vowed to never see another one. <laughs> oh, but man. apparently these are good. These are great. Yes, they are. All right, which brings us to number nine, which was unexpectedly Transformers 5. I know that broke Chris's heart. Have you have you caught up with Transformers 5 yet, Chris? I have not seen wow. the movie. Are yeah. you serious? Oh, I mean, wow. I feel like we're making progress in the world here, people. Can we celebrate <laughs> this for a moment? Just a moment? No, but let me be honest with you. The reason why I've been waiting is because I wanted to get my Apple TV 4K set up oh. uh, so that I can watch it in 4K. It's been a so saga. So it will be happening shortly. It may happen tonight. I don't know. I don't know what we're doing after this, but you know, maybe uh, maybe tonight is the night. Well, here's the thing. Daniel will disagree, and I don't care. It's the second best Transformers movie of the five. It's awful. Really? It. Oh, man. I'm definitely it. watching it. I said Ugh. it. I said it. That's Daniel a pretty low bar. It. It's a very low bar. <laughs> but Daniel Daniel almost got physically angry at me like, <laughs> I'm, when I said it, that. Those feelings he, he are rising hated up this again. movie so much. Oh, I'll have man. to watch it and then listen to that review because I, I stayed away from it because I knew at some point I was going to, to actually see the film. So I, I'm excited to listen to it. That's fun. <laughs> I love it when Daniel gets mad, and he was so mad at me. But I think it's the second best one. That's not saying much, though. You're right. Which brings us to our number 10 movie of the year, which I don't think any of us expected. I certainly picked the wrong girls raunchy comedy movie when I picked Rough Night, which I caught up with, by the way, the other day and was not good. And that is Girls Trip. Girls Trip uh, finished number 10. And I don't, I did not have that on my list anywhere. None of us. Um, None of us did. I, I, don't I think went with Baywatch. I knew it was going to be an R-rated movie, but uh, yeah, yep. picked the wrong one. Yeah. Yep. So here are the results, people. Are you ready? Yes. So in, ready. in the screeners, 2017 box office wager results show in fifth place with a grand total of 35 points is... Josh, Yay! thank you, thank you. Josh, I'll be here any all week. comments? I'll let any close? <laughs> any 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 comments you'd like to make as you receive your fifth place bronze medal? Is anyone surprised? Is, wait, they're giving what? out bronze for fifth place now? Is it like <laughs> skin or aluminum or something? Yes, <laughs> no, those millennials. Everybody gets five, a bronze medal. Hey, Josh, yeah, don't sell yourself it's, short. You, you may have come in last this year, but you beat Chris last year. So. <laughs> That's true. True. That is true. Was, that is true. Yeah, this is more of a participation award. I agree. All right, then coming in fourth with a grand total of forty-two points, she beat Josh by seven. Our very own winner of all these things, <laughs> Melody. Thank you. Oh. You're welcome. Any, You're welcome. Any thoughts, Melody, about your uh, your finish here? Anything you want to say to your fans, to the people? Mm-hmm. I, I already said it to you. You're welcome. That I didn't try. Okay. Okay, thank you for not trying. We appreciate that. And coming in third place with yes. a jump up to 50 points is Mr. Chris Farrell with a redeeming performance based on 2016. You came in last. You now have 50 points. Hey, now, hang on. I want to say something real quick that I'm just now realizing. None of us, okay. except for Josh, got any Dark Horse credit. That's, that's true. That is incredible. So what I was just thinking is, is that like if I would have not put Valerian on, I was my just Dark about horses, to laugh at you for that. Um, mm-hmm. I would have. I was going to bring it up. Don't worry. I'm, I like that <laughs> movie. All right. Uh, if I would not have Valerian on there, and I would have chosen, you know, something else like I don't know, Girls Trip or whatever, I would have been tied with you, Chad. So, you know, so I what you're saying is, bad. if you would have picked something different, you would have had a different <laughs> result. That is. <laughs> Thank I'm you just saying that. I was one away, and none of us, you guys, didn't have any Dark Horse uh, stick either. I mean, Correct. the Mummy didn't even crack the top ten, guys. Good for good reason. Yeah, I know. I had, and I'm so uh, Alien Covenant did it. I, can't, I, I know. Yeah, that's shocked. the that's the weird one. Yeah, I'm shocked. 
Yep, so I beat Chris by one point. Unbelievable. So I jumped up to 51, and I, I, I swore after this year I will never let freaking Tom Cruise screw me again. <laughs> I know that sounds bad, but uh, <laughs> I picked Mummy, and it got me zero points. So yeah. I have learned my lesson, which then brings us to our winner of the Box Office Wager Show with a grand total of 53 points. He beat me by two, beat Chris by three. By three. That is Mr. Daniel How Daniel. Thank you. Thank you. There he is. Now, wow. look, I don't want to was complain this? too much, but uh, on this document that I'm looking at, it says I beat you by four points. I'm just yeah. saying. Yeah, and <laughs> I'm just saying if you'll read the Slack channel just below that, you were credited two extra points for Cars 3. You got seven, and you should have got three. Dang it. Right. So you scored 53 points. Oh. Thank you, Chad. <laughs> Is, hold on just a second. Is that the sound effect from Halo? Yes. <laughs> Halo. That's amazing. I love it. So, Daniel, as the winner, as they say, to the victor go the spoils. Last year, I was very magnanimous in my gifting of Fargo Season 2 to my fellow screeners. What have you selected for us? It can be a film or a two-hour or maybe a little bit longer equivalent of a TV show. What have you selected for us as your victory prize? All right, so I, I, di- I did a lot of thinking on this. I At first, I really wanted to torture you guys with something that I thought you all would hate, but I really couldn't think of anything, so <laughs> luckily I didn't pick anything like that. So then I was just looking at like my favorite movies and which one I would be able to stomach if Josh hated it. Um, <laughs> so Man, that's a good, you seriously that's a good thought project you, to go you through. You cannot... Right you can't put that much stock in my opinion that it would bother you <laughs> if I hated one of but your favorite movies. But it's one of my favorite movies of all time. It would break my heart to hear you talking about it for five minutes about how you hate it. So, uh, I, <laughs> I would love so that show. <laughs> I would love that show. <laughs> <laughs> so, hopefully that won't happen. But I did pick one of my favorite movies of all time. I'm not sure who of you has seen this. And that's a movie called 500 Days of Summer. I'm sure Chad um, has seen it. Yeah. Ha- have it, have yeah. any of the rest of you seen it? Yes. yes. Oh, bummer. Well, I was trying to go for something that maybe you guys didn't see. But, well, that's what I'm going to stick with anyway. So we're going <laughs> to we're gonna talk right. about 500 Days of Summer at some point. You are the victor, so you'll make us revisit that, and we'll do a little mini recap review in a later show. So congratulations, Daniel. You rule for another year, and we will see you guys next time. We hope you play along when we get to our 2018 Summer Movie Wager. You're listening to The Screeners Podcast. All right, guys. Well, that wraps it up for this time. Thanks for being with us and listening to our long liturgy of the summer movie wager. It was painful for all of you, I'm sure, but good for Daniel. So next time on The Screeners, we are going to review a couple things. We're going to review The Foreigner and also the new Netflix show, Mindhunter. So check that out and you can hear what we think of those things. If you have anything to tell us in the meantime, best place to contact us is on Facebook. Uh, Just look for Screeners Podcast and join the conversation there. And we will be excited to hear what you guys think about this episode and the next stuff. Until next time. And that's a wrap. You've heard what the Screeners had to say. Now you be the critic. Head over to ScreenersPodcast.com and let us know what you think. See you next time.